All right, here it is. Happy New Year. Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. The Doc Washburn Show usually streams live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central weekdays at docwashburnshow.com. But the Internet at our studio was out Friday. So we're doing it live at midnight Eastern. Happy New Year. Minutes after each live stream is completed, the Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook, and you can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. Now, this is episode 57 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Friday night, New Year's Eve, 2021, or New Year's morning, 2022, depending upon what time zone you're in. Yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious last November's presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer wouldn't let me say that on the radio. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We are unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. All right, now, before we get to the uh, the news at hand, let me just mention how proud and honored and delighted we are to have some advertisers who are supporting what we do. One of them is redriveryourway.com. Now, if you tried to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage out there that you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live because that's how far they had to go to get what they want. Now, that's where RedRiverYourWay.com comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are in the 48 contiguous United States. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire process of purchasing a vehicle online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options that you have full control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can determine what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, a truck, a van, or SUV, Order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door anywhere in the continental United States, no matter where you live. RedRiverYourWay.com. You'll be glad you did. All right. Now, that having been said, I'm doing something a little bit unusual on this episode of the Doc Washburn Show, uh, not to mention the fact we're doing it at midnight Eastern instead of noon Eastern. But I just want to say this. I got into radio in 1977. I got into talk radio in 1997. I've always been very competitive. Always have been, always will be. For example, 
when I was doing local talk radio in Little Rock, Arkansas, and a competing radio station put the most listened to talk show host in America, Sean Hannity, up against me, I was thrilled when, somehow, by the grace of God, we crushed him in the ratings every time the ratings came out. So I'm just wired to be competitive. However, I want to encourage all my listeners to check out recent interviews with Dr. Peter McCullough and Dr. Robert Malone, conducted by Joe Rogan, the top podcast guy in America. They tell you the truth about the China virus and the U.S. government's lies. Everything I'm hearing recently is these are two podcasts which every American should watch or at least listen to. The interview Joe Rogan did with Dr. McCullough is two hours and 45 minutes, but none other than U.S. Senator Ron Johnson says you don't want to miss a minute of it, and that means everything to me. Ron Johnson is the reason I found out about Dr. Pierre Corey, who's the guy that started talking about ivermectin before anybody else over a year ago. So if Ron Johnson says, look, you got to watch every minute of this, I'm taking this very seriously. The more recent interview with Dr. Robert Malone, who actually developed the mRNA technology and was banned for life from Twitter a few hours before he did the Joe Rogan podcast. None other than the great Jack Posobiec at Human Events says the first two hours of Joe Rogan's interview with Dr. Malone are chock full of important information, and then the last half hour or so, Dr. Malone is just off the chain. Jack Posobiec said he has never heard anything like it. So when you consider the fact that doctors and hospitals are killing people by refusing to treat them with therapeutics that they know work for the Wu flu, I believe the information doctors McCullough and Malone share on the Joe Rogan podcast are a matter of life and death. So my normal competitive spirit is just right out the window. Right out the window. I plan to try to watch both of these podcasts in their entirety this weekend, and I strongly encourage you to do the same thing, if you haven't already. I'm hearing that 40 million people already watch the uh, Joe Rogan podcast with Dr. McCullough. I'm sure Dr. Malone's podcast will get great numbers too. By the way, since getting the truth out about the China virus really is a matter of life and death, in my humble opinion, be sure to catch my show Monday the 3rd at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. I'm scheduled to interview Dr. Richard Urso, who will be the keynote speaker at the upcoming Global COVID Summit meeting January 8th in North Little Rock, Arkansas. So be sure to check that out. All right, now, another thing coming up this coming week. There's a great actor named Nick Searcy. And he's got a new movie out, a new documentary, entitled Capital Punishment, the Movie.com. Capital spelled with an O. And he was at the Capitol on January 6th, and he interviewed a whole lot of people, and he's just made it clear the government is lying to you. Now, I contacted Nick Searcy. And he has offered to come on my program this coming week. He and his PR people and everybody 
were on uh, on vacation, of course, the last week or so. Uh, but we've been in contact, and he's agreed to come on to talk about his movie this week. Capital punishment: everything they told you is a lie. You watch it for nine ninety nine, and I've already paid for it. I haven't watched it yet, but here's what it says on the website: told through the eyes of the people who were there on the ground, capital punishment shows the world the true story of January 6, 2021. Everything that we are being told is a lie, and Americans are being persecuted to support that lie. January 6 was years in the making, and the threat to the survival of America as we know it has never been greater. So, there you go. I mean, that's... As soon as we know what day we're going to have Nick on, I mean, I'd love to have him on January 6th, but as soon as we know what day we're going to have him on, then we'll let you know. Now, in, in case you're going, well, gee, I've never heard of him. Who's Nick Cersei? He's been in some movies you've seen. Uh, Days of Thunder, The Prince of Tides, Fried Green Tomatoes, perhaps Love Field. Castaway, one-hour photo, ring any bells yet? Uh, Moneyball, my favorite movie, Greater, the Brandon Burlesworth story, which a lot of my Arkansas listeners will relate to that one. Um, Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Gosnell, the trial of America's biggest serial killer. He actually even directed that one. He also was in all six seasons of the TV show Justified, which a lot of people have seen on the FX network from 2010 to 2015. This guy is a great actor and um, a strong conservative, and he really has put a lot on the line and, figuratively speaking, put a target on his back by coming out with his documentary Capital Punishment, the movie. So go to CapitalPunishmentTheMovie.com to download the movie and watch it and keep track. I will be, uh, I'm scheduled to interview him sometime this coming week. Now, I only gave people about an hour's lead time that I was going to be doing this live stream 12 hours late. Midnight Eastern, the morning of January 1st, Happy New Year's, instead of noon Eastern because my internet was out this morning. My internet was out Friday morning. So as I'm looking at the Podbean Live page to tell me who's actually listening, most of the people who may have expected a podcast on New Year's Eve at the regular time or on the other hand, figured, well, you know, we listen to him five days a week, but he's probably taking New Year's off, New Year's Eve off. Most of those folks don't know we're doing this live at midnight Eastern, 11 p.m. Central. But we do have, we do have one person in the pod being live. Oh, that, that makes two. Cartoon Steve has entered the live studio and pecked Pisk. I don't know how to pronounce it. It has entered the live studio. Now, we have no idea how many people are listening 
live on DocWashburnShow.com. This just shows the people that show up on the Podbean app. But, of course, after the live stream, a few minutes after the live stream, this will be available on the podcast and any of the episodes of the podcast you want to listen to, because this is episode number 57, and the episodes that you want to listen to are, of course, available on DocWashburnShow.com. All right, now, now that we got through that, I don't know if you have seen the anonymous complaints that former staffers of Kamala Harris have. They complain about her attitude, how she treats staffers horribly and gives them the impression that she doesn't respect them as human beings. So that's one of the complaints. Another complaint they have is that she absolutely positively refuses to look at the briefing books. Okay, so here's the deal. When you are a high-ranking politician, not just a president or a vice president, but even a U.S. senator or a U.S. representative in the House of Representatives, you have briefing books. They have these books that give you information about subjects that you might want to know something about, not just because you're going to have to vote on some of this stuff from time to time, but also because, who knows, a reporter might ask your opinion on a particular issue. And so that's why your staff comes up with a briefing book so you'll have some idea what the reporter's talking about and at least try to create the impression that you have some sort of a grasp on the issue and you're able to coherently explain that you understand the question. Does that make sense? All right, now, with Kamala, she got a softball question from a friendly reporter, I think it was CBS the other day, about inflation, okay? And <laughs> it, it, it became... It became apparent pretty quickly that she didn't understand the question. It was a question about inflation and the idea that that maybe it's not a temporary thing, but the but the reporter used the word transitory. And there was this look of confusion in Kamala's eyes when that that word came out. So she used a lot of words and came nowhere near answering the question. And even liberal supporters of the Biden regime were just wincing, were just cringing like, oh, no. I can't believe she can't answer a simple question. Anyway, um, here's how it went. People there going into their third year of this pandemic. You're talking about cost of living. Mm -hmm. 
Was it wrong to consider inflation transitory? I mean, these price spikes seem like they're going to be with us for a while. We have to address the fact that we got to deal with the fact that folks are pay, paying for gas, paying for groceries, and are, are, are need solutions to it. So let's talk about that. Short-term solution includes what we need to do around the supply chain, right? So we went to the ports of Los Angeles, Long Beach, Savannah, Georgia, and said, hey, guys, no more five days a week, eight hours a day, 24-7. Let's move the products because people need their product. They need what they need. We're dealing with it in terms of the long term, and that's about what we need to do to pass Build Back Better. It strengthens our economy. That wasn't the question. That wasn't the question. The question was, well, let me just, no, I don't want to put words in my mouth here. Here's the question again. People, they're going into their third year of this pandemic. You're talking about cost of living. Mm-hmm. Was it wrong to consider inflation transitory? That's the question. The vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, doesn't understand the question. She has no idea how to answer that question. And again, it goes back to the fact that she refuses to read the briefing materials. Well, I think I know why she refuses to read the briefing materials. It's not necessarily that she's lazy. It's that she's stupid. She's not going to understand the briefing materials. No, no. Is there any evidence at all that she's an intelligent person? No, there's not. See, I'm old enough to remember in the fall of 2015, when the Democrats were having their debates in the few months leading up to the primary season early 2016, and a U.S. representative from Hawaii named Tulsi Gabbard took Kamala Harris apart. She made a point of letting everybody know that when Kamala Harris was attorney general of the state of California, not only was she throwing young black men into long prison terms for simple possession of weed, but every once in a while when a young black man was found not guilty of a violent crime, when a conviction was overturned, she kept him in prison as long as she could anyway. Well, Kamala Harris just stood there and had no response. She was not ready for that. Up until that time, Kamala Harris was polling pretty well with likely black Democrat primary voters. Not after that night. Not after that night. Her campaign crashed and burned, and she was one of the first Democrat presidential nominees, I mean, candidates for the nomination, to have to bail out several months before the Iowa caucus. So how could someone that unpopular with the base Democrat voter become vice president? Well, I'll give you a little secret on that. So after Biden had, uh, after he had locked up the nomination, 
people were naturally wondering, reporters, everybody else naturally wondering, regardless of your political persuasion, naturally wondering, okay, so who's going to be your vice presidential nominee? And one day, Biden went up to a podium to talk to the press for a few minutes, and he was holding in his hand a uh, a clipboard. And he was also holding in his hand on the back of the clipboard a list of bullet points about positives about Kamala Harris. First this, first that, et cetera, et cetera. And so reporters noticed this because they're they're photographers in the room and they have you know, they have lenses that can see stuff a, a ways away. And so the picture of that got all over the media and the reporters are like, Well, okay, so obviously he's going to name Kamala Harris his vice presidential nominee here in a few days, and that's exactly what he did. Now, why did Joe Biden have that list of bullet points about positives of Kamala Harris holding it on the wrong side of a clipboard so people could see it several days before he announces that she is his vice presidential nominee? Well, I think it's logical to come to the conclusion that somebody else had told him this is who your vice presidential nominee is going to be, and just you know, so you have it on hand. Here are a list of positives about her, right? He didn't choose her. She was Obama's girl. Now, I have a dear friend in Little Rock, Arkansas. And we go round and round and round. He believes that Kamala is on her way out, that she's going to be forced out of office as vice president even before, even before Joe Biden loses his job. She believes somehow or another the Clinton crime machine, the Clinton crime family is going to find a way to force Kamala Harris out of the office of vice president. Hillary's going to be installed. And then when they pull the 25th Amendment on Joe Biden, Hillary becomes president. That's the only way she can become president because she'll never get elected. Now, I have a few problems with his theory. And he has a problem with the fact I have a problem with his theory. And he gets upset. I'm sorry. We're friends. Good friends. Love each other. But see, here's the problem. Kamala is Obama's girl. Biden didn't pick Kamala. Obama picked Kamala. And you can't tell me that Obama didn't know how stupid Kamala Harris was when he told Biden, that's your girl. Okay? Okay, that's number one. Number two, just in case you don't know, and, and forgive me if you know you know all about this, but the 25th Amendment states that if the vice president 
and at least half of the cabinet decide the president is no longer able to continue carrying out the duties of his office, they can remove him from office, the vice president becomes president, and the vice president gets to, you know, as now as the new president gets to nominate somebody else to be vice president, and as long as that person gets a majority vote in the Senate and the House, then that person becomes a vice president. So I don't know if you've heard this theory that my friend has, that Kamala Harris is going to be removed. A lot of grumbling in Washington, D.C., you know, rumors, anonymous sources, people talking to CNN. Um, but it doesn't make any sense to me because, again, Obama knew what kind of person he was telling Biden to nominate for vice president. That's number one. Number two, I think there, there's a tendency for people, especially in Arkansas, who saw the Clintons up up close for many, many years to think they'll get away with anything, okay? So the Clinton crime family, somehow or another, they'll put the hammer down and, um, you know, make Kamala Harris see the light and feel the heat, okay? And and she'll be removed or, or, or voluntarily step out of the vice president's office. And I'm like, look, Obama wants her there, and she's going to stay there, and whenever they pull the 25th Amendment on Biden, she becomes president. Because, see, if Biden gets past halfway through his, his term, then theoretically Kamala can run in 2024 and she can run in 2028. If he doesn't make it to noon, January 20th, 2023, if he has a stroke or something and, and you know, has to step down, then Kamala can only run in 2024. She can't run in 2028. I mean, that's the Constitution. So anyway, uh, but my friend is like, nope, 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 nope. You don't get it. The Clinton crime family, he's like, I'll, uh, I'll take them over Obama any day. The Clinton crime family, they're going to come out on top. I'm like, really? Now, how did that work out in 2008 when it was Hillary's turn to run for president? And Barack Obama comes out of nowhere and uh, and defeats her. How did it work out in 2016 when uh, Hillary was supposed to get elected? But again, 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 I get it. If if you know if you lived in Arkansas all your life and you saw all the things they got away with, you know you're thinking, aha, aha, aha. Yeah. So so here she goes again. You know. Um, I don't think so. And another thing, while we're at it, another thing. So special counsel John Durham, a lot of people are really disappointed with him that uh, there haven't been more prosecutions than there have been, especially before the November 3rd, 2020 election. I get it. I also get the fact that he is a... uh, a federal prosecutor who doesn't look at things politically. Um, he's the guy that um, that was in charge of bringing to light the FBI's malfeasance and de- dealing with Whitey Bulger, the big uh, mafioso guy in Boston years ago. 
and the and the investigation took five years. So anyway, regardless of whether you think uh, uh, John Durham is is uh, is a hack or he's a wonderful guy, a white knight, whatever. He recently announced in a filing in federal court that he's investigating the 2016 Hillary Clinton campaign and Biden's Justice Department hasn't lifted a finger to stop him. Well, of course, Hillary wants to be vice president. Of course. With Biden there with one foot on the banana peel. But I just, I don't see that as happening. And, you know... I like to think. I like to think that um, that I make sense every once in a while. Oh, uh, this is funny. Uh, one of the uh, one of the people responding here in the uh, Podbean Live app says, "Weird hour." Well, yeah. Um, see, we're supposed to do this at at uh, noon Eastern, and the internet was down. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll just do it at, at midnight Eastern. Happy New Year to one and all. But anyway, I think I think that's where things are going. I think that's where things are going. Now, the Dallas Morning News, the Dallas Morning News announces that um, Ted Cruz's 13-year-old daughter is quoted as saying that she disagrees with her dad on a lot of political issues. Really? So, the great Elaine Batt over there on uh, Twitter says, so to clarify, we're not allowed to discuss the 51-year-old son of the current occupant of the Oval Office, Hunter Biden, but the 13-year-old daughter of the senator from Texas is newsworthy. Does that, does that sum it up? Is that what we're saying here? Good grief. Good grief. Are you kidding me? All right. The great senator, pardon me, <laughs> Freudian slip, not yet. The great Colonel Conrad Reynolds on Twitter, sending emails to potential supporters on this New Year's Eve, working hard to earn your votes and donations. I'll work just as hard for you in D.C. if you'd like to help us meet our financial goals to oust a rhino. Visit, visit electconrad.com and donate what you can. Now, let me just tell you real quick what he's talking about. And if you're in central Arkansas, you already know. If you're outside, you won't. But this is kind of a microcosm of what's going on in many parts of our country. U.S. Representative French Hill, who represents Central Arkansas, the Second District of Arkansas, and the U.S. House of Representatives, is a rhino who must be replaced. We don't need a U.S. Representative who said Trump's so-called rhetoric leading up to January 6, 2021 was unforgivable. We don't need a U.S. representative who voted to strengthen the CDC's national vaccination status database so the feds and the state health departments can keep track of our vaccination status. We don't need that. We need a patriot, Conrad Reynolds. And he's going to be doing, uh, again, for, for my Central Arkansas listeners, save the date, he's going to be doing a meet and greet at the Whole Hog Barbecue Place on Cantrell on um, 
Tuesday, January 18th from 4 to 6 in the afternoon. I'll have him on the show uh, the day before. Because, again, he's running for national office. So that's a good thing. All right, before we go any further, remind let me just remind you, we talk a lot on the Doc Washburn Show about government malfeasance. Like when they jammed Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, down our throats in 2009. You remember what Nancy Pelosi says, drunk Nancy. <laughs> well, you're just going to have to pass it so, so you can find out what's in it. <laughs> we found out what's in it. It made our health care more expensive, right? So let me ask you, has that been your experience did the so-called Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high copays keep you from going to the doctor? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you really need to go to a website called myfamilyhealthplan.com. First thing you'll see when you go to MyFamilyHealthPlan.com in big, bold letters, affordable plans, save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. So you just click on the button that says schedule call now. So you get your free consultation at MyFamilyHealthPlan.com and my buddy Art Wilborn will make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Also, and this is, a, this is a wonderful thing. You get an insurance plan that won't force you to cover things that would conflict with your deeply held religious beliefs. You don't have to cover abortion and uh, gender transition surgeries and all that kind of garbage. Forget about it. The website is myfamilyhealthplan.com. Go to that website. Book a free consultation with my buddy Art Wilborn. He'll make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Affordable plans, save 30 to 50% on premiums. Personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. Go to MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. Save money. You'll be glad you did. All right, simple as that. Now, um, <clears throat> pardon me. I saw a PSA, a public service announcement when I was watching the uh, the Georgia-Michigan game this evening. And I was really upset about it. Because they had these college football coaches out there talking about how important it was even if you're just 16 years old to not just get the vaccination but to get the boosters. Kirby Smart, Bulldog coach. Harbaugh, the coach for uh, Michigan. Now, Saban didn't do it. They got the athletic director for Alabama, Greg Byrne. And I guess whoever the coach is for Cincinnati, I don't know who he is. And they're out there saying, hey, if you're 16 or over, 
Not just vaccination. Oh, no, no, get your boosters. As if young, healthy people, young, healthy guys aren't dropping like flies from getting vaccinated in the booster. And that was disgusting. Oh, and it's brought to you by uh, the U.S. Health and Human Services Department. So, did the... um, Did the coaches do it for free? Or did they get paid? Because if they got paid, that's your and my tax dollars. Chasing good money after bad, right? And so I'm outraged. I'm outraged. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but the Democrats realize that the midterms are coming up in less than a year, and they realize a majority of people in this country want to be over and done with all the foolishness, the mask mandates, the lockdowns, everything. And so the Democrats are in the process of changing, flipping the script in real time. Even Fauci, and I'll find it here in a minute, even Fauci said, well, you know, some children are in the hospital with COVID, not necessarily because of COVID. He never would have said that before. NBC's Kristen Welker with New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, who says, I don't believe in shutdowns. What? Of course you do. This is the guy who's threatening uh, Jewish synagogues not too many months ago, right? No, not mosques, synagogues. But um, now he says he doesn't believe in lockdowns? Let's check this. This is less than a minute long. By the way, I said Bill de Blasio. His mother named him Warren Wilhelm. He uh, changed his name to try to have a political career. Given that New York is yet again the epicenter, given that some local officials are calling for you to cancel the in-person event altogether, why not scale back that event even further? She's talking about New Year's Eve, Times Square. Look, I don't believe in shutdowns. We have to fight our way through COVID. And the way to do it is vaccination. We have the strongest vaccine mandates in the country. And now 91% of all New York City adults have had at least one dose of the vaccine. So uh, shutdowns are not the answer. The answer is get people vaccinated. This event is vaccination only. Everyone is going to be, it's going to be outdoor. You get the idea. Sorry, computer reset on me, but you get the idea. You get the idea. Now, now, I don't know if you saw... Leanna Wynn, she is the medical expert, the CNN medical analyst. She used to be used to be in charge of Planned Parenthood. She's all about the abortions, all about killing babies. And when she decided to uh, try to broaden their business model, saying, look, we do abortions, that's cool, but we can do some other things too, she was fired by the board of directors of Planned Parenthood. No, 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 no. Our money's in abortion. Stop trying to broaden this out. So anyway, she's, you know, typical liberal, pro-abortion chick, so she gets a gig. 
the medical exam analyst, medical analyst of CNN. Did you hear what she said now? We should be keeping the events that are that are safe and uh, and also the events that have fun for people, too. We can't be canceling everything, especially if we're going to be living with COVID for the foreseeable future. I would say that if you choose to go, make sure that you're vaccinated and boosted. Make sure that you're wearing a, um, a mask, even though it's outdoors. If there are lots of people packed around you wearing a three-ply surgical mask, don't wear a cloth mask. Cloth masks are little more than facial decorations. There's no place for them in light of Omicron. And so wear a high-quality mask, at least a three-ply surgical mask. And if you're going to be visiting elderly relatives or immunocompromised people after, wait three days, get tested, and then see those vulnerable people. We should be keeping the... Wait. How long have they been telling us... How long have they been telling us that... uh? That we got to wear a mask, and cloth masks are just fine. And now they're telling us no? Really? Now they're telling us no? Really? (laughs) I'm telling you, they're flipping the script. They're changing this in real time. Because they're terrified of what the midterms are going to look like for Democrats in Congress. And their polling is telling them, look, got to do something. Now, speaking of Planned Parenthood, speaking of Planned Parenthood, I don't know if you heard this or not, but there's breaking news this evening. A Planned Parenthood abortion mill in Knoxville, Tennessee, is on fire, or at least was on fire this New Year's evening. I'm sure it's been put out by now, but it's all over Twitter, and people are saying things like, hey, this is better than fireworks. And somebody else said, look, if you don't like arson, don't burn down a building. This is none of my business. It was a personal, private decision, whoever decided to burn the Planned Parenthood place. Okay. Now, if you don't like arson, then don't do arson. Stay out of other people's uh, personal private decisions. So that's what what people are saying. One guy said, look, it's just a clump of bricks, right? Because the pro-aborts always say that unborn babies are just a clump of cells. Right? Other people saying about the Planned Parenthood facility, the abortion mill in Knoxville, Tennessee, on fire this evening. They're thinking back to what people said about the Black Lives Matter riots all summer long, 2020. Well, landowners have insurance. It's just property. Right? Look, you know, it's somebody's personal decision. I mean, do I mean, I'm personally opposed, okay? I'm personally opposed to burning down abortion clinics, but I don't I don't I don't have the right to force my deeply held beliefs on somebody else when their deeply held beliefs um are counter to mine. You know? Why do I have the right to 
force my point of view on somebody else who believes in burning down abortion buildings. You know? Isn't that what the in that <laughs> Isn't that what the pro-abort politicians always say? Look, I'm I'm personally against abortion, but um, you know I just can't. Uh, you can't legislate morality and 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 force it on somebody else, right? Again, the burning down of the abortion mill in Knoxville, Tennessee, this evening was fiery, but mostly peaceful. Mostly peaceful. There are all kinds of uh, analogies with this and the Black Lives Matter riots all summer long, all summer long in 2020. Look, they got insurance. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Insurance will take care of it. I just thought, you well, you know, just thought you'd want to know. Just thought you want to know. Oh, man, you know what I forgot? You know what I forgot? Because this qualifies as nothing else. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. The car dealership in the middle of the USA. The of freedom, including the freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to online. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental U.S. That's got to be the tweet of the day. The response to the news that the Planned Parenthood abortion mill was on fire in Knoxville, Tennessee, the guy who said, look, if you don't like arson, don't burn down a building. This is none of my business. It's a personal, private decision. Can I get an amen up in here? I mean... As the great Christian speaker, Vody Bauckham Jr. would say, Amen, somebody. Yes. Amen, somebody. Now, U.S. Representative Thomas Massey is on fire. He's got a picture of COVID-19 antigen home test. The things the libs just really, 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 really want. He says, guess what? They're made in communist China, these COVID home tests, widely mandated to attend school, work, and travel in a lot of the USA, made in China. So Joe Biden wants to make sure that his Chinese buddies make more money on us, right? Right? Congressman Massey also says, the fact that this virus jumps species easier, easier than evil can evil jump school buses back in the day should be a wake-up call to everyone who thinks, ah, I just naturally evolved in one species before infecting humans. Okay, just a few of the species that this virus infects. And Thomas Massey, congressman from Kentucky, says, unfortunately, vaccines are not going to eradicate COVID. SARS-CoV-2 has been found in cats, dogs, deer, pigs, rabbits, mice, voles, ferrets, bats, hamsters, mink, shrews, macaws, 
baboons, grivets, gorillas, marmosets, otters, tigers, cougars, and leopards. And he links to an article from Forbes.com from back in September. Animal reservoirs of COVID-19 may trigger new rounds of human disease. A vaccine ain't doing nothing. Except sometimes making people more sick. Know what I'm saying? No, I'm never going back down. I'm never going to back down. So, here's another from Rebel News Online. Despite being one of the largest proponents of presently available COVID-19 vaccines, Bill Gates admits to the failure of the vaccine industry that he has worked so hard to prop up. Have you heard this? It's only 27 seconds. Oh, wait, I got to turn it back up. I apologize. Economic damage, the, you know, the deaths, it's been completely horrific. And I would expect that will lead the R&D budgets to be focused on things we didn't have today. You know, we didn't have vaccines that block transmission. We got vaccines that help you with your health, but they only slightly reduce the transmissions. We need a new a new way of doing the vaccines. Yeah, but they kept on promising that it would stop the transmission, right? You remember that? They kept on promising it would stop the transmission. So only Bill Gates can say vaccines only slightly reduce transmission, but he wants to censor anyone else that says it. You got me on that? That's what's up. That's what's going on. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but all over social media, left-wing types are terrified of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, and they're lying, saying that he's he should be on the job, but he's not. Well, you know, it's the holidays, and his wife has cancer, and he's been taking her to cancer treatment, but... He's also had a busy office schedule, even during the holidays. So they lie about him. Now, if you're not in Florida, you might not have any idea who Ron DeSantis defeated to become governor of Florida in 2018. It was a young, Dem- young Democrat uh, mayor of Tallahassee named Andrew Gillum, who will probably now never be able to run for office again. And I'll tell you why. The great John Cardillo has it on Twitter. He says, the left prefers the meth addict who was found unresponsive in a Miami Beach hotel room in a pool of his own vomit after being with a gay porn star. That was a Democrat nominee for governor. They prefer that guy over a family man, Ron DeSantis, who accompanied his wife to her cancer treatments. A lot of people in Florida realize it because it was a close election in 2018. But for the grace of God, they would have been ruled by a maniac for four years. A maniac. All right? Now, let me go to CNN. 
CNN regular Peter Hotez, co-director of Texas Children's Hospital Center for Vaccine Development, says an 80 to 85 percent vaccination rate could have staved off a COVID surge in the U.S. He wants the Justice Department and Homeland Security to target vaccine skeptics. No word on Spain, Portugal, Gibraltar, etc., all seeing huge surges with way over 80% vaccination rates. And Jim Acosta just sits there and takes it. Why? Because it's CNN and they're paid to lie. This is this is an important uh, thing to talk about. The surge comes as a significant portion of the country remains unvaccinated. Uh, Some 64 million people who are eligible to get a coronavirus vaccine have not done so. Uh, Many of them are just being stubborn about this. Um, Could this current surge, do you think, could it have been avoided uh, if disinformation was not so rampant in this country right now? That's right. If if we had reached levels of 80, 85 percent vaccination, potentially this could have and, and boosted this could have staved it off. And and unfortunately, this this disinformation is more than disinformation. It's a killer. Jim, we've lost by my calculation since June one of this year, 200,000 unvaccinated Americans have needlessly lost their lives from covid um, despite the widespread availability of vaccinations. Anti-science is, is one now one of the leading killers of young and middle-aged adults in the United States. Anti-science. The Omicron variant has the symptoms of a mild cold. And these authorities, well, the TV stations in Houston said a week or two ago that somebody actually died in Houston, the Omicron variant. And so then an independent journalist called up called up the health department in Harris County, Texas, said, no, we cannot confirm this person died of COVID. Okay. It's a mild cold. They have these idiots going on CNN. I don't know how it is where you live because people listen to the Doc Washer Show podcast in all 50 states and something like 25 or 30 other countries. I don't know how it is when you where you live. But it's disappointing to me that in Arkansas, when I go to the grocery store, I see people walking around in the parking lot getting in their car with a mask on. As if that helps. <laughs> no, a simple cloth mask like the kind that the CNN medical advisor says doesn't do any good. Doesn't do any good. Oh, new from the great journalist Amber Athey. Amber Athey, Washington editor of the American Spectator and co-host of O'Connor and Company on WMAL, big talk radio station in Washington, D.C. She's got a new one here. Georgetown University recently banned indoor events and prohibited students from eating or drinking in public spaces a few days after the announcement. The top public health official for Georgetown University posted a photo of herself attending an event at the Kennedy Center. And uh, I mean... 
What's the deal? What's the deal? Georgetown University announced December 14th that due to a rise in COVID cases, remember that, 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 that phrase, COVID cases, students would not be allowed to eat or drink in public spaces on campus. All university-sponsored indoor events were canceled and move outdoors. In the name of public health, campus fitness centers would be closed starting on December 16th. See, fitness is important. Fitness is the way you have to be proactive against getting the Wu flu. Do you notice? A year and a half ago, spring of last year, they closed all the gyms. Spring of 2020. So the top health professional Georgetown takes a picture of herself at some function at the Kennedy Center in D.C. And posted on, it uh, looks like Instagram, says living dangerously at the Kennedy Center. See, the rules are not for them. The rules are for you and me. The rules are not for them. The rules are for you and me. Again, the great Matt Walsh. Over, I, I keep forgetting, is he, is he the Blaze or, 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 or Daily Wire? No, I'm going to look it up. I, I, I got no excuse. I need to get it right. Well, the Daily Wire. There you go. Anyway, the great Matt Walsh over the Daily Wire says, the left says Florida Governor Ron DeSantis abandoned his post because he took two weeks to care for his cancer-stricken wife. But they defend Mayor Pete, Pete Buttigieg, U.S. Transportation Secretary, when he skipped down for two whole months to hang out at home with a guy he calls his husband and his adopted twin, his adopted twins. People on the left have no integrity, and there's no reconciling with them. And, uh, you know, I hate to say it. Well, that's true. The great Daryl P. Uh, the, the great Daryl B. P. I can't spit it out tonight. The great Daryl B. Harrison, dean of social media for John MacArthur's media. Grace to you. He says, I'm not an attorney, nor did I stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, so I have an honest question. How is it that mandates can be enforced as law? To what extent, if any, do mandates carry the same force as laws so that people can be arrested for not abiding them? You know, I wish somebody would ask the uh, city attorney for New York City that because they, they they got police going into restaurants and hauling people out for not uh, having their vaccine certificates. You know what I'm saying? Now, I mentioned earlier, you really need to watch Joe Rogan's podcast with uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, and you really need to watch Joe Rogan's podcast with Dr. Robert Malone. So Twitter says, Robert Malone, Dr. Robert Malone on the, on the Joe Rogan experience, is misinformation. Of course, Twitter lies on the regular, just like Facebook. But here's this two-minute, 18-second clip of Dr. Robert Malone from Joe Rogan's podcast. You need to hear it. 
And Zev Zelenko, who's a buddy, uh, the guy that came out with the original protocol, the Zelenko protocol, and was the one, by the way, that wrote the letter to um, uh, to Trump advocating for hydroxychloroquine. Okay, kind of important to put that together. He's put together a great little video clip in which he clearly documents the conspiracy between Janet Woodcock and Rick Bright to make it so that physicians could not administer hydroxychloroquine outside of the hospital. And who, who is Janet Woodcock and who's Rick Bright? Rick Bright was the head of BARDA, of BARDA, the Biomedical Advanced Research Directorate, which is the group that, for instance, funded the J&J vaccine and Operation Warp Speed, etc. So they're the big ticket funder in health and human service of, of biodefense products. And who is she? Janet Woodcock um, was head of Operation Warp Speed for Drugs and uh, until very recently head of the FDA. She is uh, known as the person who kind of gets the um, credit, let's say, uh, for the opioid crisis for her role at the FDA. So between the two of them, was there was some sort of a concerted effort to suppress the use of hydroxychloroquine? Rick Bright, in, in videotaped testimony, has explicitly spoken about how they conspired to cook an, a strategy using emergency use authorization to make it so that hydroxychloroquine could only be administered in the hospital, which, by the way, is too late for when hydroxy should be used. And why did they do that? That is what is the unknown, and and there's so many whys and hows behind this. I like to say there's a stack of stuff that doesn't make sense. It's about this high. Um, now, there is, I can't prove, I can't get into Rick's head. I know Rick quite well. Um, I don't know what, he's currently working for the Rockefeller. Um, he did a whistleblower case, and then he left the government. But... Um, all I know is they did this, and Rick admits on it on videotape that he did it. Let me take you back. Let me take you back. Again, I got a, I got an Arkansas story, but it's a microcosm of what's going on in the rest of the country. You know, I, I don't do local talk radio in in Arkansas anymore. This is a national show. But a few months back, Governor of Arkansas, Asa Hutchinson, was doing what he called a COVID town hall meeting in a little town called Siloam Springs, Arkansas. And people were yelling at him, complaining about the fact the hospitals in Arkansas refuse to treat COVID sufferers with therapeutics. And Aza's acting as if he thinks that's insane. That's that's incredible. He's like, well, now, of course, they're giving therapeutics to the hospitals. Isn't that right? And he turns to the hospital administrator standing there with him who said, uh, no, not presently, sir. And Aza's like, what? As if he didn't understand it, even though the guy was, his voice was louder than Aza's. So I looked into it, and sure enough, I mean, they're not. I had plenty of people call my radio show, said that either they or a loved one went to a big hospital in Arkansas, presenting with symptoms, test positive for COVID, and they wouldn't give them anything for it. And they just go home until you get worse and come back. I had a good friend. She was a family law attorney 
in Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm not going to say the name out of respect for the family, but people in central Arkansas can probably kind of put two and two together. So she went to a major hospital in Little Rock, Arkansas, the biggest city in this small state, presented with symptoms of COVID, tested positive for COVID, was told, we're sorry, can't admit you, go home. Come back if you get worse. Three or four days later, her daughter had to drive her back because she was a lot worse. And she was told, oh, we're sorry. You missed the three-day window of opportunity to get treated. So, uh, we'll, But we'll admit you. They eventually put her on a ventilator, and uh, in three weeks she died. So there are billions and billions and billions of dollars involved for the pharmaceutical companies. How much money would they have to give you to voluntarily conspire to go along with people being killed when they could be saved? How much money would it take for you to go along with that? Because there's not enough money in the world for me to agree with that. There's not enough money in the world Did you ever think that in this country, hospitals and doctors would be actively killing people? I mean, oh, by the way, AOC, Congresswoman Alexandria Occasional Cortex, leaves her home state of New York, which is having their COVID issues, And goes down to Miami, the state that she and other liberal politicians, Miami's in Florida, the state that she and other liberal politicians have just excoriated for not doing what they want to do, for not doing what they want to have done when it comes to dealing with the Wu flu, the China virus. Now, have you noticed that the state's with the most stringent restrictions are the ones that are having the most problems. Have you also noticed that the media rarely talks about COVID deaths anymore? They focus on uh, cases and hospitalizations. So how many of these so-called cases are asymptomatic, right? And if they're asymptomatic and they never develop symptoms, then, you know, why wouldn't you say, oh, well, that was a false positive? They don't want to talk about that. Oh, my buddy Julie Kelly has a new book, a new book coming out on January 6th. It's entitled... January 6th, 
how Democrats used the Capitol protest to launch a war on terror against political right. Now, she was my guest on my local talk radio show in Little Rock. She's been my guest on my national podcast. We're going to have to get her back on to plug the book. No question about it. No question about it. Um, wait, 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 wait. Speaking of Julie Kelly, I think she has just handed Alexandria Occasional Cortex's gluteus maximus to her. If I may use that term in present company, AOC, just a scant 10 hours ago on Twitter, says, hasn't, hasn't Governor DeSantis been inexplicably missing for like two weeks? If he's around, I would be happy to say hello. His social media team seems to have been posting old po- old fo- <laughs> His social media team seems to have been posting old photos for weeks. In the meantime, perhaps I could help with local organizing. Folks are quite receptive here. Smiley face. So then, Julie Kelly responds with a letter that AOC sent to the clerk of the U.S. House of Representatives December 14th, 2021. And it says, Pursuant to House Resolution 8, I write to notify you of the designation of a new proxy to cast my vote. I continue to be unable to physically attend proceedings in the House chamber due to the ongoing public health emergency and hereby grant the authority to cast my vote by proxy to the Honorable Jesus G. Chewy Garcia of Illinois, who has agreed to serve as my proxy. I understand this revokes the prior grant of my proxy to the Honorable Cory Bush of Missouri, who previously was authorized on December 14th, 2021. Now, wait, 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 wait. AOC can't attend proceedings in the House chamber in Washington, D.C. due to the ongoing public health emergency. But yet she's vacationing in Miami. What's up? What's up, AOC? I feel like one of those guys. <laughs> I'm reminded of one of those guys in the uh, World Star Hip Hop videos or Atlanta Unchained. What's good? What's good? What's good? <laughs> uh, and Julie Kelly says, AOC, unmarried, no kids, no business to run, and a train ride away from D.C. is toward the top of the list of House members voting by proxy. Virtual voting is very stressful. How about that? How about that. AOC, hypocrisy is thy name. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's that's just that's just too perfect. That's just too perfect. By the way, If you haven't watched any of the video out of the police riot in the West Terrace Tunnel 
at the Capitol on January 6th. You really need to. It's, it's, I think I linked to it. I did. I linked to it on my, uh, on my personal Facebook page, but it's got to be all over social media. So somebody on the, uh, the Podbean app said, do families of loved ones that die of COVID have any recourse against these hospitals that refuse to treat them with therapeutics that work? And I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know. But I would uh, strongly suggest that you talk to a lawyer. And a lot of times, depending upon where you live, uh, Lawyers in your neck of the woods might not really be up on this. Okay? So there is a lawyer who has helped a lot of people um, get religious or health exemptions from having to get the, uh, the COVID shot, and he might be a good guy to talk to about families being able to sue health care establishments for refusing to give therapeutics to their loved ones. And his web his name is Robert Barnes, and he's a real deal, champion of the underdog, crusader for the Constitution, equalizer of the odds, and he's had some... Uh, He's had some strong wins in federal court, not the least of which was Wesley Snipes versus the IRS. I mean, <laughs> there are a lot of people who thought actor Wesley Snipes was going to go away for a long time. Robert Barnes was his lawyer. So anyway, the website is BarnesLawLLP.com. You know what? I mean, as long as we're doing this live... And people are checking in. Um, let me just let me just type this in. Um, because a lot of people, you know, they didn't catch what I said. So Stephanie, check out uh, BarnesLawLLP.com. I hope that helps because you know I want to help folks. I want to help folks. Back to January 6th for just a second. You remember Ray Epps? Remember Ray Epps? U.S. Representative Thomas Massey said, of Kentucky said, how many January 6th protesters were actually working for the federal government? In October, I asked Attorney General Merrick Garland while he was under oath, and he refused to answer. He looked very nervous and worried when I showed him this video in that hearing. I'll play just a little bit for you. Ray Epps from uh, the evening of January 5th. In fact, tomorrow, I don't even like to say it because I'll be arrested. We need, we need to go, I'll say it, we need to go in to the Capitol. Let's go! I'm going to put it out there, I'm probably going to go to jail. Tomorrow, we need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. Hey, 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 
You see that? They start yelling that the guy's a fed. Oh, probably going to get arrested. No, you're not. And you know you're not. And almost a year later, you haven't been arrested. And they, the FBI knows who this guy is, Ray Epps. They know where he lives, Phoenix, Arizona. They could have arrested him. They said he was one of their most wanted for months after January 6th. Until media started pointing out who he was. And then they deleted all that. Now, Scott Adams is a pretty sharp guy. He's been writing the Dilbert comic strip for many, many years. One of the best comic strips in the history of American newspapers. And Scott Adams responds to what I just played for you on Twitter. And Scott Adams says, reminder, only citizens have the presumption of innocence. Governments do not have a presumption of innocence. If your government refuses to be transparent about a criminal activity, assume that they're guilty. Republicans need to start an impeachment process for Attorney General Merrick Garland to make that point. Indeed, they do. Indeed, they do. Oh, this is interesting. Um, guy who goes by Sergeant James 13 on Twitter says, has anyone noticed that not one person in Congress or our federal government has been hospitalized or died from COVID? Yeah, that's a good point. And I saw something else. I keep on forgetting to get to this because I see so much stuff on social media and it's hard to jam every bit of it into a particular live stream slash podcast. But here goes nothing. This is from Art Moore over WorldNet Daily, December 29th, 2021. Article entitled, Aaron Rodgers Bombshell. NFL secretly administering secretly administering derided COVID drugs. What? But you haven't heard that anywhere, have you? Treatments for COVID nineteen incorporating hot button drugs such as ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine are being secretly adopted by National Football League teams, according to one of the NFL's biggest stars. Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers said in an interview. Tuesday with Pat McAfee's Sirius XM show. I do know behind the scenes, this is 100% true. There are many teams who are recommending a lot of the same treatments that I got for their players. Rogers was referring to his highly publicized bout last month with COVID-19 from which he quickly recovered. In the interview, the future Hall of Famer took aim at the censorship of criticism of the COVID-19 vaccines. He said, if science can't be questioned, it's not science anymore. It's propaganda. That's the truth. Along with ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, Rogers was treated for COVID-19 with monoclonal antibodies, zinc, and vitamin Z, C and D. The Packers star told McAfee the treatment was recommended by podcaster and friend Joe Rogan, who recovered quickly from his own bout with COVID-19. Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers said, I'm not some uneducated person who's throwing stuff out there. 
If you want to rip on me because I took horse dewormer and whatever else you want to talk about, that's fine. But I also got better in 48 hours, and I had symptoms. The reference was to ivermectin, which establishment media in lockstep derided as horse dewormer, ignoring the fact that it has been administered more than 4 billion times with a B, more than 4 billion times to people around the world and has antiviral properties shown to be effective in the treatment of COVID in dozens of studies. Aaron Rodgers called for a debate about the COVID vaccines between CNN medical correspondent Dr. Sanjay Gupta and Dr. Peter McCullough, whose recent interview with Rogan has drawn more than 40 million views. I told you, you got to watch this thing. I, I'm planning to watch it over the weekend myself. Aaron Rodgers said, let's have a debate. Let's hear about sides. Wouldn't that be awesome? He said, when do we lose the ability to respect someone, somebody's opinion? My thoughts are just my own opinion on this matter. Now, World Net Daily reported Tuesday, the NFL's chief medical officer is affirming studies that show the COVID-19 pandemic is being driven by symptomatic individuals. The fear of asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic spread is largely largely the premise for the COVID-19 lockdowns and mask mandates. Aaron Rodgers described himself as immunized when asked during training camp in August if he had been vaccinated for COVID-19 without disclosing he was referring to treatments prescribed by a doctor. In early November, his vaccination status came to light, prompting a firestorm in the media when he tested positive for COVID-19 and was required to quarantine for 10 days according to league rules. I wonder, since the CDC cut it from 10 to 5, I wonder if the NFL has. In a previous interview with McAfee, Rogers apologized to anybody who felt misled. Dr. Robert Malone, inventor of the mRNA technology used in the Pfizer and Moderna mRNA vaccines, believes more than 50, more than 500,000 Americans, pardon me, more than 500,000 American lives could have been saved. The White House coronavirus advisor, Dr. Anthony Fauci, and the government health establishment did not undermine effective COVID-19 early treatments such as ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. In a video interview with World Net Daily earlier this month, Robert Malone talked about a global propaganda campaign that includes the hunting of physicians to try to delegitimize and damage the liability of physicians who are administering early life-saving treatments. As many as 69 trials including 31 randomized controlled trials, have shown the effectiveness of ivermectin as a treatment for COVID-19, no matter what your state health department says, including the Arkansas State Health Department, which enjoys lying. And 269 peer-reviewed studies show the effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine. A 2005 study indexed the National Institutes of Health Library found chloroquine, from which hydroxychloroquine is derived, had strong Antiviral effects on SARS-CoV-1, which is about 90% the same as SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19. Ivermectin, as World Net Daily reported, is featured on the NIH website as a treatment for COVID-19 that is under evaluation. In fact, ivermectin is the second drug listed under the highly touted, expensive, COVID-19 drug with many side effects, Rendesivir, on the NIH page, which is titled Antiviral Agents That Are Approved or Under Evaluation for the Treatment of COVID-19. 
Now, on December 5th, 2021, Senator Ron Johnson, Wisconsin, says, I ask a simple question. Did Dr. Fauci's response to COVID-19 work? 788,000 lives lost, many because he ignored and sabotaged early treatment using cheap, available generic drugs in favor of a vaccine that is not as safe or effective as we all hoped it would be. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. As WorldNet Daily reported, and by the way, great article here from Art Moore. As WorldNet Daily reported, a physician and medical researcher who is suing his Virginia hospital for preventing him from treating COVID-19 patients with ivermectin says his legal effort is on behalf of physicians across the United States and around the world whose relationship with their patients has been sabotaged. Dr. Paul Merrick, a professor at Eastern Virginia Medical School, says it's completely outrageous that the hospital in Norfolk, Virginia, my birthplace, by the way, says the hospital in Norfolk, Virginia, where he serves as ICU director, is telling physicians what they can prescribe and not prescribe, violating the doctor-patient relationship and the Hippocratic Oath. Dr. Merrick was a co-author of a peer-reviewed study published in February by the American Journal of Therapeutics that found ivermectin reduces coronavirus infections, hospitalizations, and deaths by about 75%. So that's what's up. That's the truth. That's the truth, fam. That's the truth. And this is one of the reasons that I hope that you will spread the word about our podcast, even as I'm telling you, go watch Joe Rogan's interview with Dr. McCullough and his interview with Dr. Malone. I hope you'll tell people about our podcast. It, it's been wonderful finding out that people all over this country are listening. It's been wonderful. Okay, now, there's a guy, and I wish I knew what his real name was, but he's so good on talking about legal stuff and government corruptions, government corruption, and uh, he goes by Techno Fog, and he's over on uh, Substack. Got a new little article out there. Ghislaine Maxwell has been convicted. Who is next? Subtitle, there were grand jury investigations into others. I'm like, who's next? I don't think anybody's going to be next. What, what is Technofog talking about this time? So here's what he says. Ghislaine Maxwell has been convicted, finally. The victims see justice for abuse that went on, if we're to believe the government, from 1994 to 2004. Crimes against minors that the DOJ had, had knowledge of way back in 2007, if not earlier. Years of inaction dating back to the George W. Bush administration. That is, until the DOJ decided it was getting bad press about the Epstein non-prosecution agreement and needed to change the conversation. To put all this into perspective, Maxwell is now 60 years old. She will finally serve time perhaps for the rest of her life, for the crimes she started to commit at the age of 33. Prosecutors charged Maxwell with six counts and secured a guilty verdict on five of them. Count one, 
conspiracy to entice minors to travel to engage in illegal sex acts, guilty. Count three. Conspiracy to transport minors with intent to engage in criminal sexual activity, guilty. Count four. Transportation of a minor, victim Jane only, with intent to engage in criminal sexual activity, guilty. Count five. Sex trafficking conspiracy, guilty. Count six. Sex trafficking of a minor, victim Carolyn only, guilty. Now, Ghislaine Maxwell was actually found not guilty of count two in the indictment of enticement of a minor, victim Jane only, to travel to engage in illegal sex acts. So the DOJ pats itself on the back for finally securing a conviction. The Southern District of New York gave credit to its prosecutors and promised it will always stand with victims, will always follow the facts wherever they lead, and will always fight to ensure that no one, no matter how powerful and well-connected, is above the law. So Technofog says, dare I say I don't believe them, and he links to the reason why. Back in April 16th of this year, an article entitled, New Unsealed Records Detail FBI DOJ Jeffrey Epstein Ghislaine Maxwell Cover-Up. Cover-Up. And in this, he says, they always knew. April 16th, 2021, the DOJ published records unsealed by court order in the Glenn Maxwell case. These included a motion and numerous exhibits detailing what the FBI and the DOJ, and in particular the Southern District of New York, knew about the criminal activities of Jeffrey Epstein and Glenn Maxwell back in 2016. Now, recall that Epstein was given a sweetheart deal Back in 07, notes from a meeting in 2016, and he links to the document, revealed that a U.S. attorney has said Epstein could be prosecuted elsewhere. They failed to act for years, however. 2016 notes continued. Photos of naked girls on Maxwell's computer. And he links to the screenshots of these notes. Regarding the search warrant on Epstein's Palm Beach home, someone tipped off Epstein. Quote, collage of photos included nude girls, including clients. Epstein was tipped off. All computers were gone, unquote. The victim wants prosecution. But DOJ and FBI didn't do anything for years. The notes continue. Girls as young as 12, but younger the better. Notes from a visit in Thailand with handwritten note with name of girls written by Maxwell. The notes also state the victim, Virginia Roberts, was victimized summer of 2000 at age 16. The minor was taken to New York for training by Maxwell and Epstein how to service men. 2016 email to the DOJ's Amanda Kramer from victims' lawyers regarding developments in Maxwell case and thanking Kramer for meeting with them, DOJ's Kramer has offered more information if she needs it. Then a 2016 email to DOJ providing contact information of an Epstein recruiter. Okay? So this article from April 16, 2021, a Technofog substack, new, unsealed records, detail FBI, DOJ, Jeffrey Epstein, Glenn Maxwell, cover-up, they always 
new. So he says, dare I say, I don't believe the Southern District of New York, when they promise they'll always stand with victims, will always follow the facts wherever they lead, and will always fight to ensure that no one, no matter how powerful and well-connected, is above the law. Was Comey's daughter a main prosecutor with U.S. District, Southern District of New York yet in 2016? I don't know, but she was one of the main prosecutors on the case against Glenn Maxwell. Now, having said that, in any event, three of those charges for which Maxwell was convicted had to do with aiding and abetting Jeffrey Epstein to sexually abuse minor victims. With that in mind, why did the Southern District of New York refuse to charge Glenn Maxwell, Epstein's co-conspirator, until nearly one year after Epstein died. If the DOJ wanted her cooperation or if they wanted to squeeze her for information, certainly they would have pursued her while Epstein was still alive. In the alternative, some speculate that Maxwell, facing years in prison, will start naming names to get her sentence reduced. I'm not sure about that. I mean, think about it this way. Who can Ghislaine Maxwell accuse that the DOJ doesn't already know about? A related inquiry will be whether the DOJ is actively pursuing those who also took part in the conspiracy to victimize minors with Epstein. Look no further than Sarah Kellen. I bet you never heard of her, have you? After all, the victim, only known by the name Carolyn, accused Jeffrey Epstein and Sarah Kellen of abusing her in a prior lawsuit. And when Carolyn took the stand, she described how Sarah Kellen would call her to arrange for the abusive Epstein massages. The government's witness accused Sarah Kellen of being part of the conspiracy trial. Now, that's the same Sarah Kellen who was named in Epstein's 2007 non-prosecution agreement, which stated that the United States government would, quote, not institute criminal charges against any potential co-conspirators of Epstein, including, but not limited to, Sarah Kellen, Adriana Ross, Leslie Groff, or Nadia Marcinkova, unquote. The plea deal also covered unknown co-conspirators. Unknown co-conspirators, right? Got it? Court documents revealed their names of Epstein's co-conspirators who have not yet been identified. The government's position during the Maxwell trial was that it covered conduct in South Florida, not elsewhere. So, in other words, they could indict Maxwell for stuff she had done outside of South Florida that the sweetheart deal Jeffrey Epstein got in 07 that his co-conspirators would not be charged, only applied to stuff he did in South Florida, you know, where he had a mansion down there. Technofog, Substack, he, he says, as we have reported, in August 2020, the month after Maxwell was charged and one year after Epstein died, there was an active and ongoing grand jury investigation into other possible co-conspirators of Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein. And he has it highlighted here as the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York has stated publicly the investigation into the conduct of the defendant 
In this case, and other possible co-conspirators of Jeffrey Epstein remains active. The full scope and details of that investigation, however, have not been made public. Moreover, as detailed more fully in the government's companion submission, that designation is appropriate given the nature of the documents at issue, all of which pertain to the government's pending grand jury investigation. This is actually from a, a DOJ official official uh, announcement here. To the extent it would be useful to this court for the government to further elaborate on the nature of the ongoing grand jury investigation, the government is prepared to file a supplemental letter specifically on that subject, ex parte and under seal, should the court request such an explanation. So, Technofog over at Substack concludes by saying, the good thing about the Maxwell conviction was that justice was done. The bad thing, that which has been a pattern of governmental misconduct, is the very real possibility that the DOJ will use this conviction to close the book on the crimes of Jeffrey Epstein and his associates. It seems the government wants this to go away because they are somehow implicated. What do you think? I mean, I think Bill Clinton's a happy man, as I said in a previous issue of the Doc Washburn Show. I think Bill Clinton's a happy man, right? Look, I don't. I don't know if you recall. I don't know if you recall, but I played it for the other day. Amy Robach, ABC News, saying we had everything. We had Epstein. We had Bill Clinton. We had everything. And they wouldn't let me go to air with it. And she was just so frustrated. We had it. We had everything. And they wouldn't let us put it on the air. If you didn't hear it, you need to hear it. All right, here we go. And, and, and big hat tip to Project Veritas for publicizing this way back in November 2019. Here she is. I've had the story for three years. I've had this interview with Virginia Roberts. We would not put it on the air. Um, first of all, I was told, who's Jeffrey Epstein? No one knows who that is. This is a stupid story. Um, then the palace found out that we had her whole allegations about Prince Andrew and threatened us a million different ways. Um, we were so afraid we wouldn't be able to interview Kate and Will that we that also quashed the story. And then, um, and then Alan Dershowitz was also implicated in because of the planes. She told me everything. She had pictures. She had everything. She was in hiding for twelve years. We convinced her to come out. We convinced her to talk to us. Um, it was unbelievable what we had. Clinton. We had everything. I, I tried for three years to get it on to no avail, and now it's all coming out, and it's like these new revelations, and I freaking had all of it. I, I, I'm so pissed right now. Like every day, I get more and more pissed because I'm just like, oh my god, we it was um, what, what we had was unreal. Other women backing it up. Hey, yep, Brad Edwards, the attorney, three years ago saying like on like 
we there will come a day when we will realize Jeffrey Epstein was the most prolific pedophile this country has ever known. I had it all three years ago. We had Clinton. We had everything. So, I mean, do you think they're going to prosecute anybody? Now that they have... Now that they have Glenn Maxwell, guilty verdict? I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, One of my friends here, uh, listening on the Podbean app, says, I'm in Facebook jail for quoting or for sharing Dr. Malone. Somebody else is saying that Ted Cruz is quoting Dr. Malone and links to the tweet. Let's take a look at that. First time in history that the ineffectiveness of a medicine is being blamed on those who haven't taken it, who haven't taken it. And that's true. Run it by you again. First time in history, the ineffectiveness of a medicine is being blamed on those who haven't taken it. Yep. They're blaming the vaccines not working on those of us who are not vaccinated. I mean, I wonder if George Orwell, who wrote Animal Farm in 1984, realized he was a prophet because he could see it coming from years away. We've always been at war with Oceania. We've never been at war with Oceania. They'll change on a dime. They'll flip just like a cheese omelet. So when we think about the fact that the healthcare establishment doesn't want people's lives saved with very safe therapeutics like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. And now Biden has even shut off monoclonal antibodies to places like Florida and Texas. Nope, sorry, you can't have them. Let them die. Who cares? Don't care. Has it ever occurred to you that there there might be another well-kept secret in American health care? I tell you the best kept secret in American healthcare. Millions of people are finding out about ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, and, and thank God for that. But um, I was in Brunswick, Georgia, 2006, 2009, trying to sell radio commercials, and I, uh, I came across a doctor who explained to me something I'd never heard of before, and that was how crucially important it is to have your spinal column in correct alignment. It is the best kept secret in American healthcare. Let me tell you how it works. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas or C1, which only weighs 2 ounces. Now, it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. Automobile accident, sports injury, or just like reading in bed at night, with your 
face leaning up against your the fist of your of your hand, any of that is enough to get your atlas out of alignment. Problem is, if your atlas gets out of alignment, then your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, your reproductive system, your digestive system. Yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo. So when I found out about this, um, I went home and told my mom. See, my mom was helping me raise my six kids at the time. And um, she said, well, Doc, you need to take your son, Steve. He was like 12 or 13 at the time. She said, I'm afraid he's got scoliosis. He's obviously he can't sit up straight, can't stand up straight. He's got curvature of the spine and he's got migraines all the time. So I took my son, Steve, and the doctor did x-rays. He adjusts, adjusted Steve's Atlas and immediately he could stand up straight. He could sit up straight after his third adjustment. The migraines went away. And my mother said to me, well, doc, look, um, you uh, you need to look at yourself in the mirror because your shoulders are off balance, and you know you have bad headaches. And I don't think I even told her about my neck pain because it come on so gradually. I was just kind of in, walking around in a fog. I'd been in a few automobile accidents in the twenty years leading up to that, so I went and got my atlas adjusted, and immediately it was like coming up from out under the ether. Immediately I realized that I'd had this low-grade headache, low-grade neck pain for I don't know how many years because it came on so gradually because of automobile accidents I had been in. Fast forward years later, New Year's Eve 2014. And, no, New Year's Eve 2015. I, I apologize, sorry. My fiance at the time, um, we had come back from visiting family in Panama City, Florida, and all day long, New Year's Eve, I'm trying to call her. I can't get a hold of her. And I didn't know her two adult children well enough at the time to have their phone numbers. I get a private message on Facebook that evening. Um, Doc, Mama woke up this morning, couldn't catch her breath, and uh, Jason's girlfriend had to drive her 80 miles an hour to get to the ER at uh, Baptist Medical Center, and she's in a medically induced coma. I'm like, medically induced, what? I didn't know what that meant. I had to find out. You know, that means you got some serious health issues they had to put you under to try to stabilize you. And um, she was in that hospital for nine days, two and a half of it, in which she was in the medically induced coma. And they told her that she had COPD. So as soon as she got out of the hospital, as soon as I possibly could, I took her to the Arkansas Cervical Center. And and there are doctors like this in different parts of the country, not just in central Arkansas. Took her to the Arkansas Cervical Center. She got her atlas adjusted. Walking out of the doctor's office, she said, Doc, this is crazy. I'm like, what? She said, the big toe on my left foot has felt numb and tingly for years and now feels normal. I'm like, oh, my goodness. That day she texted me while I was on the radio doing my uh, regular afternoon radio talk show. She said, hey, guess what, Doc? 
I don't have my regular daily backache. A few days later, she said, you know, I have not had a headache since I got my atlas adjusted. I said, how often are you used to having headaches? She's like, every day. So we know a lot of people who have been helped by this kind of treatment, getting your atlas adjusted by a doctor who knows what he's doing. So do yourself a favor. If you're in central Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Circle Center, 501-279-2009, or for, for a free consultation, or just to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted. The website is turnmypoweron.com. That's easier to remember than a phone number. If you're outside of central Arkansas, still go to that website, turnmypoweron.com, click on the tab to find a doctor near you. All right. Now, I want to uh, revisit the whole deal about Jeffrey Epstein, who didn't kill himself here for just a moment. Okay? It's being widely reported. Widely reported all over the media in this uh, holiday period, so people will miss this. I got it from Adam Klasfeld, pardon me, Adam Klasfeld over at lawandcrime.com. Day after Glenn Maxwell's convictions, prosecutors formally ditch case against Jeffrey Epstein's jail guards. I mean, you're not surprised, are you? The day after a federal jury convicted Glenn Maxwell of sex trafficking and other crimes, the government formally recommended disposing of the prosecution of two guards on duty the night of Jeffrey Epstein's death. Federal prosecutions, federal prosecutors, typo there, signed the document advising dropping the prosecution in the middle of Maxwell's trial, December 13th, but they waited to publicly file it in court on Thursday. Indicted in November 2019, Metropolitan Correctional Center guards Tova Noel and Michael Thomas each faced charges of falsifying records and conspiracy for their allegedly failing to perform numerous jail-wide checks on the night of August 9, 2019, early morning August 10, 2019. Noel and Thomas reached deferred prosecution agreements with prosecutors this past May. Assistant U.S. Attorney Jessica Lonergan announced earlier this year after a thorough investigation and based on the facts of this case and the personal circumstances of the defendants, the government has determined that the interests of justice will best be served by deferring prosecution in this district, thus averting what would have been a closely watched trial scrutinizing Jeffrey Epstein's Death in that jail. Now, of course, authorities rule the death of suicide. Assistant U.S. Attorney Nicholas Roos wrote, quote, under the agreements, prosecution was deferred for a period of six months during the term of Knowles and Thomas's good behavior, completion of community service, and satisfactory compliance with the terms of the agreement. The United States Pretrial Services Office has informed the government that Noel and Thomas 
have complied with the terms of the agreement during the period of deferral, which expired on November 20, 2021. The document, known as a null pros, is a legal notice that the prosecutors decided to abandon the prosecution, in this case, its routine paperwork formalizing an arrangement entered into this past spring. Its timing, though anticipated under the terms of the earlier deferred prosecution agreement, was laden with symbolism. Oh, do tell, it was laden with symbolism. How about that? See, Maxwell had been convicted just a day earlier of five or six charges the jury was considering in her federal indictment. She faced the possibility of spending the rest of her life in prison at a sentencing date that has not yet been determined. Epstein's death averted what would have been a related trial. When the guards initially received their deferred prosecution agreement, Noel's lawyer, Jason Foy, expressed gratitude on behalf of his client. He said, Ms. Noel is extremely grateful that we were able to convince the government and the court that the termination of criminal prosecution through a deferred prosecution agreement is in the interest of justice. His statement anticipated the scuttling of the charges made official many months later. He said, when the conditions set forth in the deferred prosecution agreement are met, all criminal charges against Ms. Noel will be dismissed. Securing a resolution that eliminates both imprisonment and a criminal conviction is the favorable outcome that Ms. Noel prayed for since her arrest. Now, Montel Figgins, counsel for Thomas, the other jail guard, also expressed his client's relief in a separate statement from May of 2021 that anticipated the development a couple of days ago. Figgins wrote at the time, Mr. Thomas is very happy to put this case behind him. He's very pleased that this case may be dismissed in six months, provided he meets meets certain conditions, including 100 hours of community service. The two lawyers did not immediately respond to law and crimes emails requesting comment. So, what I'm wondering is, if your two federal prison guards charged with falsifying records and um, and conspiracy for allegedly failing to perform numerous jail-wide checks on the night and early morning of the death of Jeffrey Epstein. That doesn't look too good on your uh, resume, does it? I mean, what, what kind of job can you get after that? Oh, I'll bet you they'll be well paid. Something tells me that's part of the deal. I bet you you'll never hear from Tova Noel or Michael Thomas again, but I bet you they'll be well paid. Again, um, Jeffrey Epstein and Glenn Maxwell and apparently several other people working for Jeffrey Epstein were training these under underage girls not only to uh, make Jeffrey happy, but to make uh, other guys happy. But will any of those other guys be held legally accountable 
in the United States of America? I don't think so. I don't think so. Oh, by the way, uh, Eric Swalwell uh, looks like he pulled a, a Jesse Smollett. Maybe uh, maybe we'll have time to get to that uh, Monday. And Senator Rand Paul says it's unconscionable that Joe Biden's administration is withholding life-saving coronavirus treatment. In this case, the uh, anaclonal, uh, anaclonal, monoclonal antibodies. Sorry, I got it backwards. Florida Surgeon General Dr. Joseph Latipo saying the same thing. It's unconscionable. All right, man, I'll tell you what. I uh, I really appreciate y'all. Let me see if we got any. Uh... Oh, somebody said you cannot play that audio enough. What was it? Oh, oh, Amy Robach saying we had Epstein, we had Clinton, we had everybody. You can't play that enough. Thank you, Jenny. Appreciate that. And I appreciate all y'all. I really do. I mean, it's one thing to listen to me on a daily basis noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central weekdays, as a few people do listen live and a whole bunch of people download the podcast. But I tell you what, to see all these names show up listening at midnight Eastern, 11 p.m. Central, New Year's Eve going into New Year's Day, I don't even know how you guys found out that I was doing this tonight. I mean, I put something about it on Facebook. I put something about it on Twitter. But who's looking at Facebook or Twitter late on New Year's Eve? So I I can't thank y'all enough for your support. I really appreciate y'all. So let me just say it the way I want to say it. You've been listening to Episode 57 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier Tenth. Well, that's the way it is. Saturday, January 1st, 2022.